Hey, Betches! Welcome to That Betch Podcast, where we deconstruct the daily diet one decibel at a time. I'm Terry Fast with the insightful and brilliant Brittany Wachholz. This is That Betch. Today, we are positively fangirling over here as we get ready to share a long-awaited interview with Kirsten Ackerman, MSRD. She is making a huge impact in the body positivity movement and tipping traditional clinical thinking on its ass as the intuitive RD. She's going to talk about why you should date your dietitian before making a commitment, her experience in the mainstream dietary community, and how and why she is blazing her own path to help empower people of all sizes and all shapes from all walks of life. This is That Betch. Britt, are you a doctor? No. Do you play one on TV? No. Is the content on that batch intended to replace the advice, diagnosis, or treatment of a medical professional? No. Are we going to talk about eating disorders, childhood trauma, food, negative self-talk, depression, anxiety, stress, relationship issues, hating our mothers, obviously, medications, medication cocktails, regular cocktails? Probably. Will there be swearing? Fuck yeah. That's your trigger warning, bitches. Yeah, so I was... um. I don't even remember how I ended up following you, but after a while, I was just, like, inspired every single day. Like, for real. Um, That's awesome. So thank you for your work. Oh, thank you. Furthering this message, because it's really important to both Terry and I. Um, Oh, that's really, really good to hear. You have no idea. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to just um, say, I think the first thing, Terry, that you ever sent me of um, Kirsten's was binge eating is not the result of lack of willpower, but the mm. symptom of deprivation. And I, <laughs> our whole day was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that makes so much sense. And to have somebody articulate it concisely and in black and white and from what I would consider an authority figure was like. I'm not a mistake. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like powerful when we hear like what we already feel, like put it like you said, put into words and like out in front of us. So I'm like, I'm so happy to hear that. And I feel like it's so interesting because you know, I've had other people say similar things that like what I put out there is really validating and, and they're grateful for it. Um, but for me it's like it's been validating to like put my truth out there and have it be validated back. You know what I mean? It's like, yes. it works both ways. It totally works both ways. <laughs> it's a beautiful cycle of, it's a circle yeah. of life and love. It's awesome. Yes. It but, is. You know, you were talking about when you have other people in your line of work and of the health community and the body acceptance community and others, you know, validating and aligning with what you're saying. Do you, also get pushback from others in the health community clinicians or dietitians like do they so much what does that look like (laughs) yeah I'm curious I I went on to um work in the bariatric surgery clinic um which at the time like I was just kind of really excited to work with patients one-on-one and have that like one-on-one interaction time um but what I came to find was a lot of problems in this system um, that I was, you know, this, this whole process of having somebody come in, 
their blood work is perfect. You know, they're healthy on every, in every sense of the word, except that they have this BMI, this body mass index that classifies them as quote unquote, you know, um, obese or whatever. So automatically we make assumptions that they're unhealthy and then they're, they're qualified to have this surgery that literally removes, you know, most of their stomach. Um, so I could get into the details of that, but basically I, what I, the point is here is that when I stumbled upon health at every size and intuitive eating, I was in the perfect place to absorb this message because I was already seeing the problems in our, in our weight centric system from the inside. Exactly. It's like the universe, you know, Put everything together at the correct time for you because I can't imagine being conflicted like that you know you see these people that are healthy but then you're gonna your physician or your group is gonna put them under general anesthesia put them through this major surgery recovery probably missing work whatever and it's like is this really in the best interest of this patient yeah and all the risks that are involved and you know that of course is the most like blatant example of like how horrifying this surgery is but it is also my belief that, you know, this surgery is harmful to many, many, many people, even those who walked through my door who had things like diabetes and hypertension and, um, you know, cardiovascular disease, um, because this surgery was a physical, you know, really an amputation of an, an organ. And it oh, wasn't weird. actually wasn't actually setting them up for you know, healthier behaviors, which of course is the root of health, right? Like the problem here is that with bariatric surgery, the focus is weight and making people smaller, but it removes the health and the health behaviors piece. So like you completely miss out on the, the whole point of what it's supposed to be doing. Well, and then you, you're still, you still have your food judgments, even though you're yes. maybe half your size, and then you're just going to continue to go down the cycle if you don't get the root of the problem actually fixed. Exactly. And you know what? Like so many people, I'm not going to say all, but so many people who are pursuing the surgery had awful body image, had, you know, terrible thoughts around food and judgments around food and, you know, gave food a moral value. And that wasn't going to go away with surgery. That was just going to become even more obsessive when after surgery, all of these like really strict rules are kind of drilled into you. Um, so yeah, like the primary problem is not is not addressed by the surgery and people like, really, really do struggle. All these light bulbs are going on. So it's like, <laughs> how did you, like you're kind of trying to reconcile this in your own, like here how, here's how I'm making my living. But then you have all these physicians and clinicians and people with tons of experience and tons and tons of education. Were you like, am I missing something? Or were you like, I'm confident in how I'm feeling? Like, I'm really interested in that whole dynamic. Did you ever talk to the people at the oh. clinic? Or So I have this very vivid memory of um, kind of when things were starting to click in my head, head about health at every size and intuitive eating. And I was like trying to figure out how I could apply it here. Like if, if bariatric surgery really was like, I, I don't know, this like kind of awful thing or if it if I was missing something or whatever. And I sat down with one of the other dietitians in the clinic and I was just like, hey, like I, I was just kind of bringing up some of these ideas to her. Like, have you heard about health? One thing I was always curious about is what the definition of health at every size is. Like, I don't know anything about it, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, you probably you just hear like the snippets from Instagram and kind of like try and piece it together, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, Health at Every Size is a social justice movement. And I think that people don't really realize that at first, right? Because again, when you kind of just get like the little bits of it, you don't always pick up on that. You hear like kind of these controversial statements and it's like, where is this really tracing back to? But Health at Every Size, I mean, is a movement that started back in... I believe around like the sixties. So it's not a new movement, but it's certainly like picking up speed right now and getting a little bit more airtime. Hopefully that will continue to happen. Um, and the, the general idea behind health at every size is, um, you know, not that people are healthy at every size or that people can necessarily be healthy at any size. That's like kind of a misconception and um, how people interpret it. But rather, health at every size is really meant to um, shift the perspective from a focus on weight to a focus on health and health behaviors and helping people of all shapes and sizes to have access to these health resources and respectful care and encouraging them to engage in healthy behaviors that are available to them. Um, Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, like it's it's crazy. It's like so, so big. It's a huge like task. Um, but I think it's important to kind of outline this because I think there are so many misconceptions around that. But but that is the the idea here. I was seeing something that these practitioners were not um, in terms of like the doctors and the, you know, the PA that was in the office and just all of the people around me, I feel like they were just kind of going with the flow and I was embracing this message that was like crazy and so countercultural, but also I felt like was so true on such a deep level for me. That blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Good for you. You're just like, this is fucked up and you didn't let other people like. You're you right. Yeah. But you know, right. yeah. I, and I think like, Obviously, like if I hadn't had the support of like the Instagram community, which only happened when I started my Instagram and like started really connecting with people on there. And then, you know, listening to podcasts like Christy Harrison's Food Psych podcast and like just connecting with other professionals that were doing this work. Like, I feel like that's what really gave me the, the feeling of support that I could do this and that, um, you know, that I was that my, my experiences with these patients were legitimate, right? Like I wasn't crazy and there was something wrong there. But in turn, you legitimize like our existence or how we feel because it's like a normal sized person by all accounts from what I can see from your pictures and somebody with these credentials and they're like, you're saying, you're validating what we're thinking and it's just, um, yeah. The way you empower people is just incredible. Even more recently, just in the past couple months or few weeks, I feel like um, I've had like several accounts, like literally like pick out my content and like repost it and like just completely bash it. Um, but oh. that was that was like within like some weird like shred of the fitness industry. So like it was like a guy who, you know, helps people get fit and, you know, saves them from being fat essentially which i, I cringe oh even i cringe yeah, even I say it but that was the mentality 
a threat to his income, I suppose. Right. And there's lots of <laughs> exactly. And there's lots of comments about like, you know, you're just telling, you know, people in larger bodies what they want to hear and like monetizing it and blah, 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 which is just like so heartbreaking to hear because I am like, I, I'm coming from, obviously I, I'm coming from a place of liberation and like, right. like to hear somebody say that I'm just like preying off people. Like that doesn't even make sense to me. Like, no, they're uh, doing that. Yeah. They're projecting what they're doing yeah. onto you. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Um, we matter. Oh, uh, it's it's tough sometimes. But you know what? Those are like kind of like the fringe people. But then there are certainly people like within the health, you know, field and like other dietitians who, you know, kind of want to the way I'll put it is they want to straddle paradigms. So they want to dip their toes in intuitive eating and, you know, say like diets aren't good and stuff. But then but like weight loss is still good. And like, let's still pursue weight loss. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like just trying to straddle those two things. Um, and, you know, those people as well definitely think it's a threat when I say that, you know, pursuing intentional weight loss is not helpful for the vast majority of people. So, yeah, there's definitely lots of pushback um, from well, lots I'm of different struggle. ways with that, you know, in my, what I'm calling my recovery, even though it's sort of DIY, it's like, I still struggle like with my body image or, you Mm. know, I try not to. And that's what this is all about too. this journey and trying to be like, Hey, this is what's real for me. I'm not all the way there yet. So I can kind of understand that, you know, sort of like you've been conditioned this whole time. And it's like, Sometimes I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, well, you know, maybe I could change. Maybe I could be different or how would I feel? But, you know, that's what talking about it is I'm trying to um, normalize it for myself and be around it so I don't feel like like the positive things and the body acceptance is what I'm talking about now. You know, Oh, yeah. Like if I expose myself to it more, I'm feeling that even me who maybe is in recovery is oh, okay, so that's, she looks great. And she's not what we would typically think is a a perfect size, you know? Right. And I think that's like part, you know, one facet of like the lots of important pieces to this journey is, um, you know, exposing yourself to people who are not the same image you've seen plastered everywhere forever and ever and ever. And you like seeing people, and what I mean by that is people in larger bodies who have recovered or just are accepting themselves and are living a great life and that are feeling great in their body and that are taking care of themselves in a way that feels awesome for them and is supportive to them. And like the more we can see that, the more we're going to internalize that over time. But also like, I want to make it really clear that like, being uncomfortable in your body in our culture is is the norm it's the foundation it's the expectation so like you know I always try and make it clear to my clients like being uncomfortable and like having struggles with body image and being like I don't know if I can accept myself at this size is not a reason to not recover or like not a reason to go back to dieting it's just like an understandable place to be in our culture and it's also something that you can, you know, work through in time, you know. And it's, and it's not just exclusive to fat people. No. I know all kinds of people. And even when I was, what, quote, unquote, a normal size, I still didn't like what I saw. There were things I would have changed or. Well, there, the perfect, the perfect movie scene for this scenario is me. Do you think I just sings this? Um, 
Spice Girls? <laughs> I love her. She's like a Martian. God, my hips are huge. Oh, please. I hate my calves. At least you guys can wear halters. I've got man shoulders. I used to think there was just fat and skinny. Apparently, there's a lot of things that can be wrong on your body. My hairline is so weird. My pores are huge. My nail beds suck. I have really bad breath in the morning. Ew. You're so right. I like, I totally like have for, forgotten about that scene entirely, but yeah, it's just like, it was so normalized. And like, and that points out another thing that like picking on our bodies as women is a way that we try to connect with each other in some weird way in our yeah. culture, um, which if talking about capitalism, you brought up capitalism earlier. Like that's, that's what it ties back to. That's what we're talking about because if we hate our bodies and we pick apart every tiny bit and we can always find a flaw in our bodies, there's always going to be a product to fix that. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or even if we don't know something's wrong, they'll tell us, you know, exactly. exactly, exactly. And it's just, I mean, we'll find new things every day by listening to ads, but there's also things that are so deeply embedded that we assume are wrong just because we haven't seen them in the images of these women in magazines or on TV or whatever. So we assume they must be wrong. Well, the, and you know, Victoria's Secret is actually the perfect example for that. They oh, yeah. are hurting so bad as a company because they're the last Thank ones God. to change. Like there are other bra and underwear companies out there that are embracing health at every size. And they're the last ones to not do that. So now everyone that shops there is like no they're not inclusive of this culture yes. so i see love you that. later <laughs> yeah. they reap what they sow Karma. exactly it makes me happy yeah i know airy is one that i've seen a lot of you know fairly good images of and just like you know showing people unfiltered just like different types of bodies i think that they're still so far that we need to go like I feel yes. like we're just dipping our toes and it's like still these people who are conventionally beautiful and whatever but it's like okay but at least their body sizes are like slightly different than the other right like it's it's a we're we're getting somewhere yeah, yeah they're they're dipping their toes in yes <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> so I'm just kind of interested in how you know what how did you start finding your voice like you talked about you were you were at that clinic and you had mm. these people around you and you started trying to find allies and then was it pretty much through social media when you started getting that feedback and the positivity back that you felt like this is my voice or can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that part of your journey yeah. I mean, I think you mostly hit the nail on the head. Like when I started the Instagram, I just started like writing out my thoughts on what, like what I had experienced and what I was learning. And, you know, obviously it didn't like take off right from the beginning, but like I did start getting some positive feedback and people like agreeing with my message and connecting with the community and, and kind of seeing similar things being posted. So I feel like that gave me a lot of like validation in what I was saying and what I was experiencing. Um, but I think that, you know, you can't really, I, I don't know. I think that like a lot of it comes from like the passion that I have for this because it's so true for me. And like, it's wild to me to see the, the ways that my life has changed even in the past couple of years. And like the ways that I've been able to grow and develop as a person because I'm not obsessed with food in my body anymore.
Hey guys, if you like this episode, please head over to Apple Podcast, rate, review, and subscribe, and share with your friends on social media. We are everywhere at thatbetch, B-E-D-T-C-H. Well, I just um, think your voice yeah. is quick ass. So I was like, Thank you. has it always been this way? Your content is really well done. And it's like, it's just you. You're just like, this is what I yeah. think. And yeah. it's like the the way, you know, you have a really good way with words. You keep things really tight and simple. And it's just like, um, you know, laser focused. And you're yeah. very, very good at communicating. So I was just wondering. Thank you. you some- you're welcome. <laughs> Did it take you time to find that or is that just innately, this is just my personality and these are my talents and I'm just fine tuning it. (laughs) I think it's like a combination of like, yeah, like this just being like, like the message that I was meant to like to say, because I, it's funny because I think about it and I'm like, before all of this stuff, like I think about like being in dietetic school and I, I was so reserved and I like, you know, I was so unsure of myself and I felt ashamed of my eating and like, you know, like, oh, I should be hiding something or or I didn't want my, you know, the nutrition students around me to find out that like, I wasn't a quote unquote, perfect eater. I wasn't as good of an eater as them or whatever, like all in quotation marks. But um, that's how I felt. So like, I feel like it's not like I was necessarily always like this. But when I found the message that like, resonated so deeply and like ended up shifting so many things for me, like, I just, um, I just ran with it. And I feel like it kind of has just poured out of me. (laughs) It's amazing because as a writer and creative person, like I could spend like half a day fine tuning some of this stuff that like, I could see that I could come up with something and then I'd be like, it's too long or this. And I just feel like, and maybe it's not like a magic, you know, potion or magic wand that you wait, but it (laughs) seems like it's really natural and it's just like, you know, I'm going to do, yeah. this is what I have to say. And this is how I'm going to put it out there. Like there's not a ton of crafting to it. Is that right? No, or not? you're totally right. Like, and I think that like, there's obviously people approach things in different ways. And like, I feel like there's pros and cons and like strengths and weaknesses to everyone's approach. And like, I think the pro to mine is that I literally like sit down with an idea that like randomly came up for me and just like, shoot it out there and like put it out into the world and like don't even second guess it um and sometimes I'm like oh I could have said that better or sometimes I'm like oh like that's not exactly organized the way that like some other people would organize it but like for me it's just like I'd rather like say what like wants to come out of me and just like put it out it's genuine yeah totally I don't I I don't spend a lot of time like editing or like trying to make it perfect I just like I just do it and you know I I have heard people say um many times you know that like just kind of taking action like stop like kind of second guessing and just like do it and I think that that I've just kind of always come back to that um I'm like rather than like trying to find the perfect time to release this thing or whatever I'm just like I'm just gonna do it and kind of reevaluate it later (laughs) and see what I could have done better so I can do it better next time so like what is your vision like what's Sorry, Britt, I'm not letting you have any questions. <laughs> I just can't stop. I'm so enthralled. Keep just going, girl. Keep going. For a while, Britt, I might let you ask something. 
I'm, I'm just real curious as to your vision. Like when you started this out, was it just a platform? Like this is how I'm going to communicate and this is my self-expression. And now it's turned into the, like this community and some other things. Like I know you have courses online that look yeah. really great. By the way, go to Kirsten's website and check that out because it is very yeah. interesting and unique and powerful and you can do some good things for yourself if you if you take a look at what she's got going on but like i'm interested in that like what did this start out as and like now what's your vision i mean are you like we're we're going for world domination i don't know about you <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, I'm in on that for sure. That is my vision. My my uh, my vision. Yeah, I think you like hit the nail on the head totally. Like I started this as like I was like overwhelmed in like such a like just like energetic way that like I needed to like learn more and like explore more about this message and I just did that through Instagram. So like the beginning was just like I'm just going to like do this so I can connect with people and like tell people what what's on my mind. Um, and then it's totally evolved. Like you said, I have online courses. I have like private clients that I work with. Um, I do workshops and things like that. So uh, honestly, like my, I, I love my one-on-one -on -one clients and I will always have one-on-one -on -one coaching clients because it's so fulfilling to work with people in that moment in their journey. But right. when I've stopped, like stepped back to kind of reevaluate like what I, where I want my energy going, it's really to things that are going to reach the most people. So like my podcast and the courses and like things like workshops that, you know, I can um, talk to a lot of people at once. Um, but just, yeah, I, and my Instagram, of course, like, you know, is reaching lots of people that way too. So I feel like the more that I can direct my energy into things that are going to reach a lot of people, that's, that's where I want to be. Well, I told my dietitian to follow you because she's all for what we're doing here. Um, she's, she's kind of like my best friend that I see every other week or once a week. Um, and that's, amazing. that's where I kind of wanted to ask this question and kind of switch gears a little bit, sure. but you know, there's good dietitians, there's maybe <laughs> bad dietitians. Um, <laughs> if you're not jiving with your dietitian, what kind of advice do you have for anyone who's like questioning their relationship? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I mean, I think like when I hear you say kind of like some better dietitians and some worse, like I think about the fact that like we live in a culture where like the dominant message is this weight centric approach is like, you know, coming from a dietetic standpoint, it is like the dominant message is things like, you know, don't eat that, eat this or swap this out for this or cut this out or, you know, cut back on that. And it's like these restrictive messages. Um, so anyway, that is kind of like the dominant thing. And if, if a dietitian isn't working intentionally to step away from that, you're going to get the, those kinds of messages. But what I would say is if you're feeling like kind of icky and something's not feeling right and it's not feeling supportive, like asking something like, have you heard of intuitive eating or like health at every size? Like, is that something that like you're somewhat aligned with or, you know, would you be willing to like learn a bit more about that? Um, I think those are good things to ask because uh, you deserve someone who is going to be respectful in the way that they're working with you. And so I, I think that's totally fine to ask. Um, but ultimately, like, if it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. And like, you know, we talk about intuition a lot, right? Intuitive eating. Like if you feel in your gut that it's not a good fit, like go with that and, and find someone else if that's accessible to you. Well, I think it's like dating. Like you should date <laughs> yeah. a dietitian. 
And, totally. You know what? We, do, is there like a Tinder for for dietitians? <laughs> it's like you know, there just should like, be. Yeah, let's invent one. Like just swipe right. That's or a good something. idea. Because it's like you can. Ha- I I agree with you. Like there's red flags you could probably identify, but then kind of getting to know each other and and ask them those questions you were talking about. Like, mm-hmm. have you heard of intuitive eating? Um, you know all of those sorts of things, health at every size. How do you feel about BMI? You know, like, that's a great question. And you know, another thing that I think about too, that you could ask that doesn't even necessarily dive into um, intuitive eating health at every size is like, are you willing to like, like my, like (laughs) my goal is to not focus on weight here. I want to focus on supportive, healthy behavior changes that are not restrictive are you on board with that like are you on board with not using weight as a goal in this room like because you know what they might not be somebody who's super exposed to this message but they may be willing uh, you know to respect you on that and um i just want to give options for everyone because there aren't it's not like intuitive eating dietitians are the majority (laughs) so we might be a little bit hard to find right now (laughs) well you're right if somebody's open to it I think that that's a good point too and that they might be willing to explore and do some discovery along with you that isn't necessarily a bad thing either you know if you click with them in other ways so I'm sorry yeah well I was just gonna say the last thing you want when you're done with a dietitian appointment is to feel guilt or shame because guess where oh, you're going straight yes. to the fucking drive through because that oh i mean yeah. it happens i cry, i mean i cried last week but it wasn't about it was a good cry but yeah if you're ever feeling like ooh, i don't feel good run <laughs> right <laughs> you're right and Stop that's what that, i like, like a hot potato yeah that's when it comes back to your intuition it is you know, loud and clear if you like take a second to pause and listen. So I totally advise listening to that in that situation. <laughs> well, and what you were saying, Britt, about, you know, you cried, but it was a good cry. It's like, I think that's where I'm trying to grow and actually start feeling my feelings. And, oh, yes. of, you know, I have for so long used food to medicate or food to distract me or food to fill up areas or push yeah. emotions down. So starting yes. to kind of sit in those feelings for a minute, in my opinion, is really healthy. Oh, my God. Couldn't agree more. And I'm, I think we all need to work on that more because it's like not the again, it's not the standard in our culture. So we need to like relearn that. But um, it can be uncomfortable, but so, so healing. Absolutely. When you're in recovery, one question I have is like trying to confront foods that you normally have judgments about. Like, do you have any tips around that to, I mean, help me even? Like, I don't, I'm getting my <laughs> yeah, food this judgments is, this back. Is great. And yeah. I really, I don't know where to kind of refocus my mind. Yeah, I have lots of thoughts on that. Um, I think, like, first of all, like, being super gentle with yourself, like, especially if there are, like, several of these foods, like, um, I think about with, like, clients that I have that, um, you know, can't keep foods in the house or whatever, because they know how they'll behave around them. and They have a lot of fear around that, like, we'll work on, like, slowly, like, incorporating one at a time and, and working with that rather than, like, introducing everything all at once and then feeling really overwhelmed and feeling really scared. So I think, like, taking it slow and, and being, um, you know, really 
gentle in your approach with these foods. But something even more powerful is, you know, you said like these foods that we have judgments around, like how do we start to work with that? Like whenever there's a food that someone's like has a really strong feeling about, there's always a story underneath it. (laughs) Like there is almost Mm. always a story. So like I've worked with a few clients recently where, you know, they brought up, you know, I think one of them was like French fries and I'm like, okay, like, when like do you have a time when like can you think of a time when like french fries were restricted in some way or that like you had some kind of like strong emotional connection with someone like when eating french fries or when you know someone very close to you that was supporting you or that was like uh you know a parental figure or whatever like had a strong opinion about like you're eating that food or them eating that food right so like i think that in order to heal it, like you need to understand the story behind it and like where that traces back to. Um, so those are, I feel like those are kind of two different perspectives with it, but I think that that's kind of the first thing that comes to my mind. The stories thing is very interesting. It I, is, I mean, right? You can, <laughs> yeah. you, you really, if you, you really think really about can. it hard, you can probably yeah. find a story but underneath every single food that you're afraid of. Oh, for sure. That you've had probably going on for years and years, and you just keep connecting or piling it on or adding another chapter. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's there's always something. If if there's that strong feeling and that like deep fear, there is a story beneath that. And like, rather than like just trying to deal with the food, like you need to deal with the story. I I think this is interesting because I. Sorry, (laughs) Britt. I, I, no, I just said talking to you again after I said I was going to shut up. But it, this, what you were talking about, guys, reminds me of like, I would call my husband and like, can you grab a Hershey bar out of the vending yeah. machine at work and bring it home? Yeah. And he's like, oh, do you want chocolate? I'm like, no, but there's no chocolate in the house. And it's like, I have to have chocolate in the house. And it would be like, I maybe wouldn't eat it for like three months, but yeah. I had to know it was there totally weird yes you like having that like security and i think that that comes down to like there's like security and comfort in like permission to have it and if you feel like it's like that scarcity mentality right so like if you feel like it's not available immediately like you need it to feel comfortable and safe yes and when when it's there it's like you feel comfortable and safe and you don't actually need it but yeah, you, you can you take it I mean? or leave it yeah totally that i think that's a really common experience I've been experimenting with that with um, toaster strudel. Okay. I <laughs> fucking love toaster strudel. <laughs> but I haven't been able to have it. Well, I haven't given myself permission to have it for so long. But I yes. bought three boxes. And awesome. I've had those three boxes in my freezer for three months. But wow. I can have them when I want them. It's, it's about so me. fascinating. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I think like a lot of times when I work with clients, like, you know, we'll pick out those foods. And, you know, sometimes what always happens is that they are terrified. They are like, there is no way I am bringing chocolate cake into my house and not eating the whole sheet cake and then buying another sheet cake and eating the whole like there's just like this, like this assured feeling or like this, like, um, I don't know, I can't think of the word, but like, they're absolutely sure this is what's going to happen. And almost every single time it's like oh my god like I ate some of it I ate a lot of it or whatever but like now I'm kind of over it like you get to that point where like it's actually 
called food habituation. Your body gets used to that food and it just neutralizes it. it, All the power gets taken away from that food and you're able to keep it around and not be crazy around it. Can you say that again? What is it called? Yes. Food habituation. That is fascinating. And I'm a 100% believer. That is insane. I can understand that. Exactly. I I hear what you're saying. I relate to your patience. It's science. It's science. Yeah. I mean, even in the intuitive eating book, they talk about food habituation in in a small little part of it. But, um, but yeah, it's this idea that like your body is like so freaking smart. And of course, diet culture would never let you know that. Right. If you eat broccoli every meal of every day for seven days or for three weeks, you're going to get sick of broccoli. You're going to be habituated to broccoli the same way that if you eat chocolate cake, every meal for every day for that long, like you'll get sick of that food as well because your body wants, it craves a variety of nutrients because it's smart and it knows that it needs a variety to like excel and or to like thrive really. Hey, Kirsten, would you be willing to share with us maybe a few books that we could put links to on our site? Oh my gosh, yes. So that we could help people that want to learn more about the intuitive eating and mindful eating. Yeah, I'm going to go look at my bookshelf. Um, No, but um, intuitive eating is the first one, right? So that's by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. Um, Definitely recommend that. I recommend Body Kindness, which is by a registered dietitian, Rebecca Scridgefield. Um, I believe you guys told me I could swear. So another book is called The Fuck It It Diet by Carolyn Dooner. Um, Absolutely phenomenal. Like if I can recommend one book to start with it's the fuck it diet without a doubt because her voice in that book will speak right to you um, i'm on amazon so right good. now <laughs> yeah i'm telling you like i am i'm not kidding that's the one that's the one to start with um health at every size is a book by linda bacon and lucy Afremore. they also have a book called body respect uh, which is amazing too. And both of those books, health at every size and body respect are much more like science-based and really go into like, you know, the depths of the stuff with health at every size. So highly recommend those as well. Awesome. Thank Thank you so much. Hey, we forgot to ask you the most important question. I think I know it's coming. (laughs) What's What's your favorite donut? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, immediately when I read this question, because you guys told me ahead of time, um, I was like, apple cider donut. And it's not just because fall is around the corner, like, legitimately, like, that's just like, it has a, a very warm place in my heart. Apple cider donut all the way. I don't think oh. I've ever had one of those. What? Uh-uh. Is that I just have... like a Northeast? Is that like a Northeast thing? Maybe I had it in <laughs> Michigan. Oh, that's funny. You guys need apple cider donuts. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up now. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess like it's a thing like I, I'm from New York now. I live in Connecticut, but, you know, apple picking and you go to the apple orchard, you get apple cider, you get apple cider donuts. It's a thing. Oh, they're good. And they're amazing. Them. They've got like cinnamon sugar on the outside of a month. Yeah. Yum. Yes. It's so good. <laughs> You're the first one that hasn't said Bavarian cream filled whatever. Yep. Yeah. Well, oh, like a Boston cream donut? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, no, apple cider. I'm glad that I'm different. <laughs> that does sound really good. I yeah. have to do like a top 10. Yeah, yes. And we'll do like a 
video and taste them all or something. You have to, and then share it with me. Oh, yeah. I need a donut now. I'm going to go to the grocery (laughs) store and get one. Same. Because guess what? I can. Exactly. Yeah. All the way. I'm going to get one tomorrow morning. (laughs) Send me a pic. Perfect. Um, We just really appreciate you Kirsten, even taking the time to chat with us has just been a delight. If you have anything else you want to add or questions for us, um, either now or later, just let us know because we would love to collaborate with you or communicate with you or help you in any way we can. Not that you need our help, but. (laughs) No, you guys are the best. And this was so much fun. And I'd love to collaborate and just like stay connected um, for sure. This was so awesome. Where can our audience find you? Um, so definitely my Instagram is where I hang out the most. So that's at the intuitive underscore RD, like registered dietitian. I didn't totally think that one through. I feel like a lot of people don't know what RD means, but that's fine. Um, and then on Twitter, it's the same, uh, handle at the intuitive underscore RD. Um, I also have a website, the intuitive dash RD.com. Um, and those are most of the places I hang out. Oh, and you know, I forgot to mention my podcast too. Uh, so Intuitive Bites podcast also is where I, I release some, some cool content there as well. From family gatherings to work celebrations to hanging out with friends, so many life events are centered on food. On the next episode of That Bitch, our head of community, Kate Rossellini, is moving from behind the scenes to behind the mic as she and Britt interview Seattle dietitian Michelle Weinbender about finding your footing in food-filled festivities, tactics for tackling flack from family members, and strategies for basically just unsucking celebrations. That Bitch is a product of Britt Walker Cults and Terry Fast. Thanks to our head of community, Kate Rossellini. Thanks to Trent Fast for the original music. And thanks to everybody listening. Bye, bitches.